as we come into the, the weekend, um, I, want, uh, I want you to have a posture um, that God has something uh, to say to me. And particularly um, that I want this uh, for us to be in conversation um, as for the community that you're in, it's important that that whole community participate, right? But that also means that I've got, I am part of that community and I, um, I have questions and I have thoughts. And so um, it doesn't mean that you need to kind of speak out when you don't feel comfortable, but um, it is important that as you have something to share, I promise you that it's going to benefit everyone else. And so um, as we uh, talk, I'll have questions, I'll have some activities, um, but please feel free at any point if there's something that you want clarified. Uh, I want that to be that, this type of situation versus just like you sit there and listen as I, as I share. Um, so uh, if you'll bow your heads with me and say this prayer. Father, I want to know your life. I want to know everything that you have for me. I don't want to stop short. I don't want to be ignorant. But I want to see you as you are. And I want to see myself as I actually am. Would you teach me how to live with you? Amen. So this weekend, uh, we are going to be talking about God's law. And uh, how many of you love the law? Right? Uh, all of the times when we joke uh, about, let's say, uh, the laws of our country, or uh, we, like, um, we like it when there's like little things that we can just kind of get away with, Right? That it's, it's just kind of there and it is uh, something that is um, all around us. Um, when, it, when it comes to um, God's law, that it is something that we should love. But God's law is going to be uh, to us what we are to Him. So as we are a lover of His, right, and a child of His, uh, and uh, looking to Him for guidance and truth, and then the law is life to us, that it is how we should live. Um, but if that's not who we are, right, then that, that law is uh, condemning and convicting. So everything about God's law has to do with our relation to Him. And so, um, so tonight I want to kind of uh, set the stage for uh, spending some more time tomorrow uh, looking at uh, the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. And we're going to see that not, it's, it's not just this thing that I know maybe two of. <laughs> maybe three, maybe I can get the most of five or six of them. But that it is a roadmap for our life and you're like, there's no way. There's no way that the Ten Commandments are things that I should do. They're just things that I should avoid. And I think I should avoid some of them sometimes. And so we're going to look at that uh, as well. Galatians 5.1 says this. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm 
and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. If this is, uh, if you have your phone or your Bible, I want you to, I want you to mark off this passage because this is uh, the best representation in the New Testament of, of how we are to look at God's law. That he gave it, right, to us so that we would be free. So that we would live as we are intended to live. Our issue is we don't know the law and we don't know how to live. And when we don't know how to do something, there is no freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. It means stand firm in that freedom. But to stand firm in that freedom, we need to understand how he wants us to do that and how that works. And so that's kind of our, uh, the point tonight. All right, so here's our first exercise. And I'll, I'll move it. All right, so first thing I want you to do is I want you to consider two definitions of freedom. Is this too close, Riley? May move back up here, so not block. So here are two definitions of freedom. So the first definition of freedom is the power. Maybe can't see it on the corner. I'll move it back. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. A second definition of freedom is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. So I want you to talk with your neighbor just a minute uh, about which one, uh, how the world defines freedom, okay? And pick one of those. And then the other one is going to be much, much closer to how God defines freedom, okay? And so I want you to just talk with your neighbor uh, about which one you think it is, okay? And why one is the antithesis of the other one. Meaning, like, why is one completely different than the other one? we got to have the right definition of freedom. Okay? So take a minute to talk about that. So, uh, which one is uh, closer to the world's definition of freedom? All right. Number one. All right. So, um, why, what type of freedom does that bring and why, and, and why are we not as free as we think we are as everyone does that? First off, why, what type of freedom does that bring? Being able to do, number one. I think that comes with, like from a worldly view, the freedom to become enslaved to things. Okay. Why? Like why is, why from a, why is Noah right? 
Somebody else. Because I think people think that having a freedom means, or having freedom means no rules. Right. Uh, very well said. Right. Very, very well said. Right. Think as one wants. Right. And as I want is I don't want to have any rules. Uh, so we have, uh, we have some energetic children in our house, right? And then without any supervision, they kind of do things, right? And are they good uh, arbiters of the things that they do? No, they're, they're terrible, <laughs> right? Uh, so they act as if they have no rules. And what happens, as you know, when you live in life, is if, if I have no rules, right, then and... Uh, and I'm doing whatever I want, am I going to infringe on your freedom? Absolutely. Right? Because you have certain, you have certain things you don't like. <laughs> and, uh, but when I can do whatever I want, right, that, that hurts you, and so you're not free because I can do whatever I want. No rules is how the world defines freedom. Now, the second one, right, is much closer to how God would define freedom and what is, what is free about number two in a spiritual sense? Anybody? Free from sin. Free from sin, okay. Free from death. Free from death. You can just use as plain a language as you can, almost like non-spiritual language. So that, that's absolutely right. But what, right, freedom from not being imprisoned or enslaved. Imagine that you were born and lived your entire life in a cage. That that was all that you knew. That you did whatever you wanted, but there's only so much that you can do. This is all that I know. And one day someone came and opened that cage. This is the situation that, the, that we found ourselves in right when we come to faith. This is a situation that the Israelites came, were in when, they, uh, when God rescued them. Right? That they didn't know anything different. And so we are faced with that. We may know that uh, we may see that God has opened uh, the cage, but we, for lack of a better word, uh, haven't walked out. We kind of grab things, kind of stick our hand through the wires, right, and grab onto things and kind of pull them back in. The cage all the while remains open, and yet we stay in there because we don't know what else to do. We might grab for for little Christian things and kind of, again, pull it in like a little trinket <laughs> to, to put under our little blanket that's in there. Right, we try to add those little things to our lives and yet in the cage we sit. Galatians 5.1, it was free for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for us to be out of the cage that he opened the door. And so the law is the place where, as you and I have, have always been there or still are, I'm in that place, Father, I don't know how else to live. I've got little nuggets, I've got little scraps, I maybe cobbled together something, this is what I'm going to do when I finally get out of here. 
but it's incomplete and it doesn't make much sense. But that's all we got. And yet we've never heard, right, as we think about ourselves in that analogy, we've never heard that he says in as plain a language as is possible, right, that I want, right, to show you what life is like outside. And so as he reaches his hand into that cage and asks us to take hold of his hand, right, to pull us out and to not just then run and scream and do whatever we want, but to still hold his hand as he then shows us what it looks like to live life with him. This is the framework within which I want you to see uh, the Decalogue or God's, God's 10 words. So let's uh, turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and talk about a few things. Exodus 20, verse 1, And then God spoke all these words, verse 2, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The scenario that I told you before, this is what he is declaring. That the God who is speaking to his people as he comes into the room and I'm there and the door is open and I'm like, who are you and why did you open my cage? And then God spoke all these words to us saying, I am the Lord, your God. I'm the person who opens your cage. I'm the person who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I'm the person who opened the cage. And you may not know this, but I, I fought a really long time to be able to get here to unlock your cage, to reach my hand in and to pull you out. See, for us to really understand that, we need to go back just a bit for us to kind of understand the narrative of the Bible up to this point. In Genesis 1, God made the world how he wanted to make it. It was as he designed in his good pleasure for his good purposes. And it was good. And he declared it so. How many of you have made just some really good macaroni and cheese it's making that weird sound. You know when you, when you stir macaroni and cheese, doesn't it make like the weirdest sound? It is. It is. Right? But then as you, as you stir it, I mean, it just smells like you want it to smell. And you're like, that's good. Right? You declared it good. This is important. This is important because what God made, right, we, we want to we understand the level of satisfaction that he had when he made it, right? It was exactly as he wanted it to, right? I had just the right amount of butter, just the right amount of milk, right? I stirred it just right to let it sit. And his intention was for us to live in a dependent, ongoing relationship with him, <laughs> That was really the only uh, rule. And as we did that, that we had free access to the tree of life. 
and this place that, we, that he made for us that we didn't deserve. There's nothing in us that made us deserve the place, the garden that he had put man in. He designed it for us. It was, it was good. It was beautiful. It was lovely. And he meant for us to enjoy it in relationship with him. But in chapter 3, right, we have a narrative where we decided that we would like to do something different. And so we made some choices that led us away from the life that, we, uh, that he had for us and that had consequences. And so then, then things continue to happen in Genesis that this, this decision we made has consequences for everybody and everyone continues to live away from God though God did not run from them. He was near them, but they were not near him. And we have the stories um, of the Tower of Babel and Noah. And we get to chapter 13 in the story of Abraham. And it says, Abraham chose a man. And he wanted to bless the rest of the world through this man's lineage. And he chose him to do that. And here began the story of his covenant with people. That even though you've chosen to be away from me, I want to come and live life with you. And this is the first time we see, right, that God does the reaching out. And we have Abraham and Isaac and the stories of Jacob, Jacob's sons Joseph. And if you haven't read the remarkable story of Joseph, this is where... Um, he comes to rule over Egypt and give his people, um, allows them to, to live. But soon after several generations, the Egyptians become, uh, become scared of their prosperity and they enslave them. And they're enslaved for over 450 years. And at the beginning of the book of Exodus, so that takes us from Genesis, right? Through the, uh, through the end of, uh, through the beginning of Exodus, and we meet a man named Moses. And he starts telling us the story of that he is going to deliver his people. And at some point in the, uh, from chapter 10 to chapter 19, we see God fighting for the people that are his. And one of my favorite, um, Theologians Christopher Wright says, says the following. The commandments were given to Israel not so that they could perhaps gain salvation by keeping them, but because God had already redeemed them. And this is how they were to live in light of that fact. This prefatory sentence of the Decalogue thus mirrors the very shape of Exodus, which has 19 chapters of salvation before any chapters of law. See, as he raises them up with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, that he brings them to himself. The context of Exodus is that they've been let out of slavery to what? They don't know. They've been let out of their cage to what? They don't know. And he leads them to a mountain. And when he gives the Decalogue, it is 50 days from their release from Egypt to the time that uh, he speaks these words to them. 
In Leviticus, in his law, that there is 50 days from the Passover to the Feast of the Firstfruits. So this is the same period of time that, in which Jesus was crucified to the beginning of the church in Acts. 50 days. That there's a place where in the New Testament God wrought salvation on the cross and then He comes and brings in new life with the Spirit. And so here in Exodus, he, in the Passover, as the, as the Pharaoh lets them go, there's 50 days from that release until he gives them the law. That they're waiting with their father to what does it mean? What does life look like now? So, so you have a life right now that you live and you know it well. All of you have made choices over the past several years to live a particular kind of life. But I anticipate that what you're doing is not working all that well. Because like the analogy of the cage, that I'm probably still in the cage more than I want to admit. And the little bits of goodness are really just my hand reaching through the bars and pulling stuff in. We really probably haven't taken God and let him lead us out and ask him, Father, what, what, what now? We're just kind of scratching along, <laughs> doing the best we can. But God has a way of life, and it's not... And it's not adding to a life that is already being lived, but it has a completely different compass. And we don't really know it. Our experience is so different than what God intends. As of our second exercise, and then I'll uh, have a few more comments and take a couple questions, I want you to do one more exercise for me, all right? All right, I want you to spend as a minute as you can. So you've got your notes, and then there's like a blank page to the left with kind of the one through ten there. And I want you to write your list of do's and don'ts as best you can, okay? And I anticipate that you'll struggle with this a little bit. What are, right? So Noah, what are Noah's list of do's and don'ts? It does not have to be exhaustive, Okay. Just do the best you can. That you have things that you think that you should do and shouldn't do. Right? And I don't want you to be wishful here. Right? Not what I, what, uh, if grandma asked me what I would answer. Okay? But what is actually true. Okay? These are your notes. You can hide them. You know? You don't have to show somebody. So what are your list of do's and don'ts? You've got to be honest. Alright? And I'll give you a few minutes to, to start this. After you write that list, I want you to write down your reasons for these lists of do's and don'ts, okay? So if a random do is like, I get up at 8 o'clock every morning, all right? Why? Okay? And then the last, and the last thing is, I want you to think about what is the truth that underlines your reasons? So here's the list of do's and don'ts. These are kind of like my, my commandments, things I do and don't do. Right? What's the reason for them? And then what's the truth that underlines those reasons? Okay, so here are some examples. 
So I must have a good job. I must. Okay, I believe that to be true. Okay. I must be comfortable. I must be happy. I must not be afraid. The one will make everything better forever. So we've got to write these down to kind of get down to the bottom of like, what, you know, what are the truths that I live by? All right, if you're just joining us, we are writing down our list of do's and don'ts. These are the things that we have decided that we do and don't do. Or then, um, and you can just kind of write down these settings and do this later. Reasons why I do and do not do those things. And then lastly, uh, the truth underlying those reasons. All right, so we want to be truthful. We need to know where we stand while we do the things that we do. All right, so I want to, so as we're writing, um, we have that list of um, do's and don'ts. So I'm going to say that these are the things, right, that we have, uh, to the best of our ability, kind of cobbled together, right? And the analogy that I used before, we're in our cage, the, the door's open, right? But I'm comfortable in there. That's where I stay. I reach my hand through the bars, and I pull little things out, right, that are good for me. I pull it in, and I kind of cobble together, right, a life. <laughs> and what I should be doing. And so this typically is what this list of do's and don'ts are. I want you to look at your list. How many of those uh, make a whole lot of sense? Like, do they follow one from the other? Are they just kind of all over the place? Meaning like, oh, I like this one, but then like, why do I do that? Why did I decide that like that was one of my kind of non-negotiables? What we mean is kind of our, there's, our life is kind of a hodgepodge, right, of kind of good things and things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but, but there's no real arbiter of what, what the good is there, right, just me, right? There's no kind of objective person saying one way or the other. Kevin DeYoung says this, the Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt, Okay. Right, a lot of times we think the Bible, right, is instructions like, how do I get out of trouble? <laughs> how do I make God like me? Right, I'm not, I don't, I'm not really intending to do those things, but like, but I know that's what it is. Be saying that's not what it is at all. Right, the Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt. They are rules for a free people to stay free. Remember, we didn't free ourselves, right? God did. He freed the Israelites from Egypt. He freed us from sin. All 
He goes on to say the Ten Commandments are not prison bars, right? They're not to hold us in, but they are traffic laws meant to keep us safe and to live the way that he has meant life to go. Jen Wilkin adds, the ten words show us how to live holy lives as citizens of heaven while we yet dwell on earth. It is the law of love and life. How many of you want healthier relationships? Excellent. I'm glad all of you raised your hand. The relationships that you like, are they going to be further, furthered and remain healthy as you are obedient to the nature of those relationships? Nod your head yes. Oh, that's how you do that. I haven't been doing that, and so my relationship, but I want them to be. <laughs> so what I mean by that is we want relationships, and then we also want to do whatever we want to do, and then we wonder why our relationships go away. And so I want relationship with God, and yet I want to do whatever I want to do, and I wonder why I don't feel close to Him, or why my life is not going the way that He said it might if I listen to Him. Amen? So let's return to uh, our first two verses of Exodus 1, or 20 verse 1. We got to want to hear what God says. And I think that's our first hurdle, right? Is that our posture and our attitude, it, honestly, it just stinks. <laughs> right? How many times do we go into a place where God's people worship and we're, and we're excited to lift his name up and we're excited to hear what God's person has to say for us? We just go in there and we're like, oh, all right, lunch, 45 minutes. <laughs> but yet wouldn't, if we remember that, that scenario where we're in the cage and the person who we've never seen before told us that he fought a mighty battle to free us and to be able to come in and unlatch our cage for us, if he came and said, I I'm the one that freed you, wouldn't you want to know what that guy says? Wouldn't you want to know that maybe he has some... Because he's not in the cage, right? <laughs> we like to listen to other people that are in cages, not people that are out. Amen? He spoke all these words, and are we listening? I'm the Lord. I own everything. I'm the king. I'm the master, creator, redeemer, sustainer, lover of your soul. That's who I am. I'm the Lord. I'm your God. I'm the person who's freed you, who's redeemed you, who's forgiven you. Who's opened your cage? Who wants to not just open your cage and then run away, but I want you to grab my hand and I want you to live with me. And I want to feed you. Think about this. It's nice to, if we're animal lovers, to go into a 
Katie's ears perked up, yes? We were to go into some animal lab and just knock open all the cages or hit that big button and then just they all swing open, right? And then go on our merry way feeling really good about ourselves. But what God said is not only did I hit the button and open up all the cages, that I want all of you to come home and live with me. Kitty's like, I'm still with you. (laughs) (laughs) And not just that, it doesn't fade to black though because I'm going to have to nurse you and teach you how to not live in the cage. I'm going to have to teach you uh, how to not use the bathroom in the house. I'm going to teach you how to please me. I'm going to teach you how to be fed by me, how to walk with me, right? Because you don't know how to do any of that. And so that's how much I love you. I'm not freeing you to just go and just live fearily that I'm inviting you into my life and I'm going to take care of you from now until you die. That is a whole different thing, right? If you have animals, you're like, I wanted to snuggle them. I didn't want to... Pay their vet bill. (laughs) But God wants to pay our vet bill, right? You understand? You understand that? He's not loving you because it feels good. He loves you because He made you. And He takes responsibility for you. And it's that, that is God's character that wants us. He says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so here's this first word to us. That's who I am. That's what I want. And so here's my first word. You don't, you don't have any other kings. And that's where it starts. See, as we come back to this exercise here, I anticipate that regardless of what you wrote, right, and if you, if you got kind of some reasons, and really it was some of this stuff, Maybe there were some spiritual things in there. Maybe that I want to please the Lord, that's great. But it was mixed in with a whole bunch of other stuff, wasn't it? The other thing that I anticipate is that you had a hard time writing down what your list of do's and don'ts are. Because you have very few. And that's kind of the problem. Right? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I wonder if there is a person that like wants to tell me or help me or show me. Gosh. I see my Bible over there. I'm going to do some other stuff though. I'm really frustrated. I keep messing up. I keep doing the wrong thing. Gosh, if only there was somebody who cared about me enough to tell me how to live. You think this is kind of bold of him? This is the first rule? Couldn't this be like the end one? (laughs) So what you're saying is, because you did all that stuff for me, you you think that I'm supposed to do all this stuff for you? Yeah. (laughs) And we need not not to push back on that. That's our problem. We push back on that. Father, I thank you. Thank you for all the good stuff. Right? It's like, Dad, thank you. Mom, thank you. Grandma, thank you for all the presents that you've given me, but I'll see you never. <laughs> and do you have any more presents? I love presents. We have no concept, right, 
of somebody loving us and actually expecting something from us. Not because we owe them, but because they know better. And that's what he's claiming. And so do we believe him? You shall have no other gods before me. So before I kind of close with a couple comments, uh, what questions do you have as it relates to uh, just framing kind of our conversation about God's character, right? About what freedom is, right? About why he needs to tell us about why he about the context in which he gives us the law, right? It's not to get out of jail, right? You're out of jail. It's to live with him. So questions uh, or thoughts about that? No questions. that Crystal clear? Man, I'm amazing. <laughs> All right. So here's a couple, here's a couple uh, uh, closing thoughts. All right, so, verse, um, so verses 1 and 2 there. Right, I'm the eternal, personal, gracious, salvific God who saved you. Therefore... Right, he gets to say something else to us because of who he is. Right, can you imagine? The, the Israelites knew no other life but subservience, right? And that someone told them what to do all the time, and then they see these crazy things happen. <laughs> Right, that he drives them out. It says that the Egyptians were so ready for them to go, right, that they gave them all of their riches. They're like, please, like, on your way out here is all my money and all my jewelry. <laughs> right, the, what he's saying is, the order is, I am, therefore you shall. Right, and this is how we need to hear this. So I want you to write this down. This is really important. So this is your new definition of freedom. All right, you ready? This is super helpful. Freedom is the ability to love and serve God unimpeded by sin. The freedom for which he has set you free is this. The ability to love and serve God unimpeded by sin. So when we use the word salvation, which is this very basic word, right? he is saying that I want to restore your ability to do everything that you can't do. Right? Salvation is the restoration of ability, and the law is the how-to. Right? You're no longer in the cage, and so, okay, so what does life look like not in the cage? 
So here's the um, so here's some stuff about the first commandment: you shall have no other gods before me. And so, in, when we meet in the morning, we're going to talk more specifically about how uh, we should uh, look at those things as categories, right, of direction and what he is uh, and he is giving a, a framework for in which to live in each of these different categories. And it's awesomely, uh, it's it's you're, you're gonna you're going to enjoy um, what he has for us there. So this first one focuses on our internal worship. Okay? So it's how we should respond, how our attitude should be, what our posture should be towards him. Okay? This sets everything. This is the map. How should I look at the map of the rest of his words? So this... Teaching instruction is for about internal worship. Our values, okay? Your values are contingent upon, that means they depend upon what you worship. Our values are contingent upon, depend upon is a, small, is a easier word, upon what we worship. That is who we listen to and who we follow. Who we give authority in our lives. True morality or true goodness is a reflection of God's will and character. What is actually good is what he says is good. Not what I say is good. That's my problem. I've lived however long I've lived determining what's good. And so as God says what's good, I've got a problem. Because I believe me over him. And he says, That's, you, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Trust me on this. Listen to me. Right, so as we are created in his image, right, our referent for morality is rooted in him. And so here is what is required, and here's where we'll end. So here's what he requires of us, right? This is something else you should write down. He requires us to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and for him to be our God, right? To know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and our God. And here's the end of it, and to worship and glorify himself. To know and acknowledge God to be the one and only true God and our God, and to worship and glorify himself. That is what's required. Here's what's forbidden. The denying of or not worshiping or glorifying him as such. That one seems pretty easy, and yet it is the hardest one. I shared with you often, here I'll close, that as I have been um, working through this for the better part of 20 years, uh, I, am, I am over and over struck by my inconsistency, yet I know this. 
right? And so, and so God has like, Rob, okay, all right, all right, buddy. All right, you listen to me? All right, hey. He says, you're getting better, man. Ruffles my head like you're getting better. But listen, you know, look at me, look at me. I really need you to do this like every day, <laughs> not just Tuesdays and Thursdays or alternating Mondays and Wednesdays. And so I shared with it what I've been doing in the mornings, right, is the first thing I do when I get up is say, Father, I acknowledge you right as my king. And I acknowledge that you have absolute authority in my life. And I acknowledge that I don't know what I'm doing apart from you. And I acknowledge that I want this day to be about your kingdom. Let's pray. Father, as you have talked to us about freedom, the ability to love and serve you unimpeded by sin. Father, that sounds amazing. Lord, as we look at your law as giving life and that you came to give us freedom <coughs> and that freedom is, is lived by living it with you dependently, hand in hand, for eternity. As a father, as you begin to break down some walls and some ideas in us that are keeping us from listening to you and living your life and reorienting ourselves around what you say is good, Father, I pray that we would not grieve the loss of what you're asking us to leave behind, Father, but we are excited to grab your hand and to be led into the light and life that you have for us. And so, Lord, uh, would you accept uh, this token of our praise to you as we, as we sit and ponder what could be. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.